Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about volcanoes. So there's a lot of different things, you know, that people prepare for and and get ready. And, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities in things you can do to be ready for kind of any emergency. But, you know, again, something we haven't really gone deep into is uh, volcanoes. Um, it's the thing is, I guess, that, that don't like really bring volcanoes to the forefront is it's not something a lot of us are near or really exposed to, you know, that we think of in our day to day, you know, unless you live out by Yellowstone or something like that. Um, you know, Mount St. Helens, Rainier, a couple places. You don't think of volcanoes as like an immediate threat. Plus, a lot of times we don't. I I don't know. It just, it can be overwhelming and there's a million things to worry about and the likelihood of a volcano taking you out, pretty unlikely. But we're going to kind of dig in and, and find out the facts. So first of all, how do you know, like, what are the symptoms? If you're hanging out at uh, Yellowstone or whatever, and, you know, what are the symptoms you want to look for? What What, what tells you? that a volcano is coming. Let, let's dig in there so we know what to look for. 
Um, Kevin, any thoughts? No, well, I mean, uh, according to that movie Dante's Peak, yes. uh, if you're hanging out in one of the hot springs and you boil, start boiling alive, you know that. You see it. lava coming up under your feet. Yeah, that's, yep. that's it. That's what does you. All right. Yeah, according to that movie, there's no symptoms. You just you just start dying. People start boiling to death. Unless you're taking like secret seismic readings all over the mountain, I think mm-hmm. I think that's what he was doing. And he's like, "Wait, I think there's something suspicious." Yeah. And like the lady like drops a coffee cup off the table or something, and they're like, "Ah, oh, volcano coming!" <laughs> volcano. <laughs> but that that's actually one of the the real symptoms is a increase in frequency and intense intensity of felt earthquakes. So. If the uh, the earthquake volume is stepping up in your area, eh, something to consider. Um, this kind of goes to your sitting in the, the hot springs and, and boiling the death theme of uh, noticeable steaming or fumarolic activity. I'm not sure what fumarolic is. but uh, And new or enlarged areas of hot ground. So if you're like, Put your hand on the ground and it's like a thousand degrees. That's a sign. That is definitely a sign. You might not want to stay in that area. Because before this podcast, that would have never occurred to you. You wouldn't have been like, hey, um, the rubber on the bottom of my shoes is melting and sticking to the ground. And you'd be like, what does that mean? And, you know, nothing. You wouldn't take any action. But now that you're a prepper, you'd be like, oh, shit. I should get out of here. Um, Small changes in heat flow. I I don't even know what that means. Um, I I think I I mentioned that swelling in ground surfaces. Because, you know, all that lava is just building up and getting ready, whatever. Actually makes like a giant mountain in front of you. That's another uh, good sign. Changes in the composition or relative abundance of the gases. So if you can't breathe and you fall over dead, definitely good sign. Things could be uh, starting to, you know, to happen underneath you. So that's pretty much, you know, th- those are the core. Do you have any uh, you wanted to add? Or well, Do you remember the, you the movie uh, 2012 uh, with John Cusack? And they're in Yellowstone, and uh, Woody Harrelson was there, and he was saying the end of the world was coming and all sorts of stuff. And then, like, right at the last minute, John Cusack ran out of his trailer, and the volcano erupted and killed uh, Woody Harrelson, but but John Cusack was able to run far enough away because he was following the super volcano that he survived, you know? Right. He knew. He knew. So if, Uh, if Woody Harrelson warns you about a volcano, that's it's time to start running. That's also another good sign. Okay. Yeah. So now, what actually, all right, now that, that we've kind of covered the mystery, I mean, I think that's a thing. A lot of the volcanoes, when they present or however you would describe it, you, you start to see minimal activity. You know, you, you see the increase of smoke and the sputtering out of the volcano. It seems... A lot of the ones that we've seen come to life on, you know, on the news and TV, um, you see some activity, like for days. You know, it, it seems to be perking up, if you will, and 
you know, kind of uh, stretching out there. Um, so what kind of stuff? I, I mean, it, again, it comes back to that kind of basic prepper stuff of, you know, having flashlights, being able to move and, and get out, you know, being able to, you know, take off or, or function when electricity and power goes out. It's going to be a big thing. Um, having first aid supplies, right? Because you might be cut off and you're obviously dealing with a stressful kind of emergency type situation. Having food and water, right? Being, uh, you know, because you might be cut off and isolated. Right. Um the CDC recommends getting a uh, manual Coke can opener as opposed to a uh, for the just, one. just in case, case volcanoes. You'd be like, I'm all out of food. I have this can. I don't know what to fucking do. I'm just going to starve to death <laughs> I can't get I in only there. have an electric can opener. I don't know what to do. And you're just screwed. Have you ever seen they take uh, the can and they rub it on the blacktop or concrete and it yeah. uh, and open it up? It's pretty slick. So yeah, the way they like, do the lids on the metal cans, um, it's basically rolled over the top. So what, what they do is uh, you can actually just scrape it on the ground and thin out that little piece of, uh, you know, eighth inch metal that the can's made out of and uh, basically cut the edges and then the top pops right off. It's pretty cool. Um, again, you could find a stone to scrape it against or whatever. Odds are if you actually have a can of food, you're probably near some kind of civilization that has concrete. Mm-hmm. And then I might even go one step further where you're near civilization that might have a can opener, but you know, right. Hey, if you're or stuck in a that knife spot, in your pocket, you know, yeah, there's a good or chance you're going to stab anything. your hand though. You know, uh, nobody yeah. wants to stab your hand. All right. Um, so well, I was going to say, uh, go ahead. Essential medicines. Right. Um, maybe some N95 masks. That's actually a big thing is all the ash and stuff produced from a volcano really dramatically affects the air quality. Um, cause I'm assuming you're not like right over the edge where you're running from lava flow, then you got other right. issues. But for the most part, if you're, you know, even kind of far away, having a respirator or a, a mask like that would be, a uh, real you know protection issue um right possibly eye protection that same thing that ash is going to be a real irritant um battery powered radio something news keep informed of what's going on those kind of things are are your basic um those are like you know really what your cdc and and like that are going to tell you they want you to you know tune in and listen to the government because they're so efficient they're going to have you know their plan right in place I know Kevin actually got some pamphlets on this and uh, the government's got them all ready for volcanoes. Is that right? Right, right. So they they have a couple of – FEMA has a couple of warnings about it. So uh, what they recommend is having a a go bag, you know, with your stuff ready to go. But you also need to be prepared to to shelter in place. Now, uh, they say say that your biggest risk risk is from ash. So depending on where you are – you might want to stay where you're at and just uh, close all your windows and doors. Um, it, it also, they also recommend uh, to consult your doctor beforehand. If you have any oh. respiratory issues. And he would be like, move away from the volcano. 
<laughs> yeah, and and uh, uh, FEMA also recommends contacting your homeowner's insurance policy to make sure your homeowner's yes. your insurance protects against volcanoes. So, yes, that's FEMA's recommendations there. Um, now, typically, you're going to want to have a radio on, a radio going if if there's strange stuff going on because they're gonna they're gonna you know send out warnings and alerts as things uh, progress. So you want to you want to keep your your uh your radio on and you're gonna want to listen for evacuation orders and stuff like that for your area um now it also says uh it just says to avoid driving in heavy ash that's because it can get so thick that you can't even you know you can't even see the road so now that can happen yeah also believe it or not um you want to shut off like the air in your car and you want to uh, kind of close up everything, you know, like they talked about with the house. But it, your car is going to suck in all that ash that's in the air and falling down. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something, you know, you actually want to try and basically keep the car running as, as long as possible. And the way to do that is to have fresh air, you know, able to get into the motor. Turns out that's an important thing for a combustion engine. So by, you know, doing whatever you can do, to keep the, uh, you know, the ash from getting into the engine and the intake will also buy you time, uh, not gumming it up. So something to keep in mind. Right. Right. And you know, they, uh, they recommend staying away from downwind areas of the volcano and downstream, like any stream beds, they say, stay away from it because the lava is going to follow that natural path. So, um, you know, I've seen several disaster volcano movies, and in, in yes. according to these movies, most of the people die from falling in lava accidentally. That's probably not your actual biggest risk, though. I don't think uh, I don't think most no. of the people die from falling in lava, but they do did say that lava can travel at a hundred miles an hour in, in certain circumstances. So I think you know we've seen we've seen on the news. Uh, you know, do you remember the the volcanic uh, eruption in Hawaii a couple of years ago, where the lava was like slowly moving down the mountain, like taking, right. you know, taking house after house, and people were able to evacuate well ahead of time before the lava showed up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that um, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that you're gonna gonna be able to outrun it or outwalk it. So basically, as long as you have your insurance policy up to date. I think things are going to be okay is really what we can get at. Um, One of the like prepper disaster kind of things that the scenarios that they talk about with the shit hits the fan is you do have like a super volcano, right? And that's, that's a whole other level, A, a super volcano. Again, they have this weird scale and it's like, if it had a magnitude of eight, Right. Then uh that's the highest level. Eight eight is the highest level. So there are several volcanoes, super volcanoes or potential super volcanoes um right. in the world. There's there's they, they estimate there's about twelve likely likely spots. Now um some of them are, are famous that you've heard of, like Krakatoa and and Yellowstone, but there's a bunch that you know you probably haven't necessarily heard of. Um Lake Toba and Mount Mount Tambora was actually 
right on the level of of a super volcano, right on the edge. That was in uh, 2000, and, or I'm sorry, that was uh, 1815. So there's a moderate sized eruption on, on the 5th of April in 1815, followed by a thunderous detonation that you could that could be heard uh, 240 miles away. People heard this thing explode. Um, there's about 10,000 people were killed in, in the initial in the initial eruption um, on the island of Sambora that was right near there. There's 37,000 killed. Um, Lombok Island had another 44,000 people killed. There's there's estimated to be about 71,000 people died from this super volcano, but a lot of them were from starvation. Uh, a lot of them were from exposure to the elements, uh, inhaling um, inhaling toxic fumes or ash. Right. Um, but ultimately, it was about 71,000 people killed on these islands um, just from this one one volcano that was basically in the middle of nowhere, you know. But it had such a huge effect that, you know, it like blocked out the sun for, for weeks afterwards. Right. So, I mean, so these well, super volcanoes are, are a serious threat when they actually do erupt, you know. Right. Well, if they uh, – <clears throat> if you remember back 2010 – in Iceland, we had that one that kind of remember they had that like they stopped air travel in Europe for a while. You know, there's like right. A I remember so that. Of, yep. You know, ongoing. So I, I would tell you what volcano it was, but apparently they wrote it in Icelandic or whatever. So it's like Ejafoldjala Jökull volcano. Yeah, that sounds about some, right. So some crap like that, right? You know, I don't know, but like that's one of the things is these prepper things that they they worry about with the super volcano the ash is really what you you need to worry about now the last time uh yellowstone had a, a super volcano they actually had about three over the last two million years so we're, right. we're talking about a long time period but it actually created they call it a, a caldera right um and that's like basically a crater that once all the volcano, um, the lava comes up out of it, right? It basically leaves a hollow and the ground kind of sinks in. Mm -hmm. And that's Yellowstone is about, for some reason, they measure it in kilometers because this is America. But I think they were like, let's use the metric system. Science. We're ahead Science. of everybody else. And that uh -huh. way nobody will understand what we're talking about because we'll use the metric system. So... 500 kilometer, you know, a uh, square kilometer area is basically how big this crater is at Yellowstone. So that's a right. big area of, you know, affected, mm -hmm. right? If you have hot lava, you know, coming out from the ground under you and it's collapsing for, for that big of an area, it matters. Well, the next thing though, basically what, what happens is you end up with tons of volcanic ash, and they said that if you had in, in the last, well, again, nobody was there, nobody knows, but their prediction is if you had a super volcano in somewhere like Yellowstone, it would create enough volcanic ash to cover the entire state of Texas one and a half meters deep. Again, why the National Geologic Survey people have to stick with the metric system when this is freaking America, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But whatever. Um, 
one and a half meters deep. That's like five feet, about five yeah. feet. Sounds about right for you Americans, you know, um, us Americans, turns out. Uh, so anyway, that's a problem. Um, one, you can't move or function. Two, it's super acidic and nothing grows. That's where you run into right. the problem is you basically poison the soil. And so if it's one and a half meters deep, the size of Texas, basically three quarters of the country, you're not able to grow stuff. And as we saw in Europe with this volcano in Iceland, it created such a, a dense atmosphere of basically uh, volcano ash clouds kind of moving about the country. You end up with this huge dark period of, you know, nothing can grow and the sun is blocked out or it's very dim and hazy that really affects food production and obviously dropping the ash. So it also, you know, they say it depends on the time of day and when things are, you know, maybe if it's pouring rain while all this ash is spewing, but usually a volcano doesn't happen in a two hour period. It's usually spread out, you know, over time. Um, so something to think about, but yeah, I mean, there were, there are tons of potential volcanoes, uh, Mount Rainier, uh, it's one of the, you know, it, it's a high elevation has, you know, it, uh, you had the Tacoma suburbs, uh, basically intense. They, they call it pyroclastic volcano flows. Um, Basically, the potential to, you know, melt snow, ice, anything, it's just going to move rapidly and flow downstream, take mud and rocks. That's one of the things with the smaller uh, volcanoes is you end up with mudslides, rock slides, all this stuff kind of comes with it and basically takes stuff out. Um, now, whenever they talk about super volcanoes, uh, one of the first ones they always try and push is that Yellowstone, right? Yellowstone, they, they always say it's due, right? Um, it's due to erupt anytime. Well, yes and no. So the anytime, that's a loose, you know, description. The thing is, it's been dormant for a while. And so really to expect something is kind of unrealistic, but... Now, here's the thing. What The reason they say it's due anytime is because basically it, it, it's progressing in frequency between each, uh, each, each eruption. So super volcano type activity in 2.1 million years ago, then at 1.1 million years ago. All right. So we have a little timeline. But then the next one, 800,000 years you know, ago. So that's pretty short window that you're going from 1.1 million to 800,000. Then there was one at 664,000 years ago. So you, you see it's, you know, the window is tightening and then it's been 664,000 years now to get to where we are today. So that's why they're saying, you know, Hey, we're kind of due because, you know, it was happening like every 200,000 years and now we've gone 665,000 years. So that's, you know, all right. 
increased activity, right? So something that, you know, if you need something to worry about, maybe Yellowstone is uh, where you want to be, right? Um, I would say there is a volcano going on right now. And if you guys remember, there was a lot of talk a while back about, uh, it, it turns out it's a volcano in La Palma, which is like a territory of Spain, I believe. And it's off the coast of Africa, up in the northeastern uh, section of Africa. I believe it's the Atlantic Ocean there, right? So you have uh, La Palma is actually an active volcano right now. And it is like taking over the island with lava. Um, You can watch live stream video like right now that you can go uh, watch and and see this kind of covering the... uh, the island in lava. It's pretty crazy. Um, Anyway, their big fear was that the earthquakes and disruption seismic activity that are happening inside, uh, inside the earth here in La Palma could basically crack the island where large chunks of rocks could fall into the ocean. And their theory was, well, if like a third of the island fell into the ocean all at once, it would basically create a tsunami that would take out the east uh, east coast of the United States because completely across the ocean, half an island falling in just creates this giant wave that's just going to get bigger and grow and get uglier as it moves across until it hits something. And that what it's going to hit is uh, the east coast of the United States. Now, later studies have shown that the likelihood of all that rock falling at one time is pretty much impossible. Like it would be one of those freak things that, you know, yeah, it could happen, but the odds of it happening are, you know, almost nothing. <clears throat> so something to keep in mind. But before you worry about Yellowstone, I think you really want to be preparing for a volcano by getting life jackets and, uh, Maybe a that's good right. boat. Tidal wave. <laughs> that's that's what you need to do. So it's something to keep in mind. But that's that's what's going on in the world. That's what we got for you yeah. guys. Now, what I what I uh, you know realize every time we do a, a podcast about a specific threat, there's always uh, specific things that you should be doing that are the same. Um, you know, they there's that old saying that that ten percent of the work gets you ninety percent prepared. That's that's really what it comes down to is is having some food storage, having some some water, having a, the ability to to, um, you know, uh, hold up where you're at, you know, bug in or hunker down, uh, being able to uh, go without, you know, without going out to the store and without getting in your car and, and having right. to go anywhere. You know, that's really the the 90 percent of prepping that that you should be working towards. You know, if you live in in some place that's prone to blizzards or some place that's prone to tornadoes, you know, maybe that that last 10 percent is, you know, you planning for those specific eventualities. Um, but the you know, the same basic things hold true for most uh, most emergencies and natural disasters. And, you know, that's having your stuff and your gear together and ready to go that you don't have to make any last minute, you know, runs out to the store you don't have to run out and grab propane you don't have to run out and and grab gas you don't have to run out and grab food you've got you've got your you know your things stored stored up and ready to go 
So that's really one of the big things when it comes to, uh, you know, volcanoes and every other natural disaster is just being prepped with the basics of what you need to be, to be ready for. Not, you know, not planning for the volcano to hit, but planning for, for the stuff that you can take care of ahead of time um, that will apply to every, every natural disaster. Right. I think what I hear you saying is really you want to be able to take care of your own shit. And if you can function without the grocery store, without the electricity, man, without the natural gas, man, without the natural or uh, city uh, water supply, the more things you can solve for yourself, you're going to be a thousand times better in any situation that comes up. Um, one, you know, if you are in a super dangerous area, you know, you live right next to the nuclear power plant or you live at the foot of the volcano. Yeah, being able to evacuate is something else you want to add to your plan. But pretty much being able to take care of your own shit and having a supply and a way to meet your needs without dependence on somebody else or supplies that are brought in, then that's how you're prepared. I mean, that's really the goal of everything when it comes to prepping is being able to take care of your own shit. You know, I mean, I think that's why preppers are so associated with the Patriot freedom stuff and libertarian and whatever is they kind of go hand in hand. The more self-reliant you are, the more you can handle your own shit, the less you need bigger government or want bigger government. And, you know, you realize that it's important to handle your own. But the more you're able to handle your own, the more prepared you are for any disaster that comes. So I don't know. So if you have thoughts, ideas, things you want to tell us about, you can email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, you want to, uh, you know, be part of the discussion, maybe join us on the Facebook group at, uh, I don't know, the Prepping Badass Facebook group. And we have a page that's i believe the prepping badass page i think it's like facebook.com slam prepping badass so with that stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week the survival and basic badass podcast is a proud member of the self-defense radio network Mm.